Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning. It's a bit after the Lord's Mayor's show, isn't it, today? But every day in God is new, isn't it? It really is. Every day is a new day. New day in God. And we thank our Father for yesterday. Fantastic. All that went into that, all the hard work that went into that. But it is true that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Because that's what the Bible says. So it must be true. Good morning. Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you that we've had an opportunity this morning just to worship you together. And Father, we want to thank you that you've reminded us that our strength is in you. Our dependency, Father, is totally upon you. Father, just simply, we love you. We honour you, our sovereign King and Lord, maker of heaven and earth. We just focus our eyes entirely on your kingdom, on your purposes. Father, just give our our brains a half an hour break now, Lord, and let our spirits just be fed. Let us just eat and drink with you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, our Lord and our God. Amen. As you know, we're, we're doing a series of, in Nehemiah and Ezra, uh, restoration books, and uh, I love restoration. It's great when God restores. You know, we try and restore things, and it doesn't always happen, but when God restores things, then um, we're in for an interesting ride. And uh, already we've had, uh, we've had an overview. John and David have been giving us an overview from the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. Um, we've looked at, briefly at the issue of prayer and fasting, And then Steve was talking last week about some of the practicalities of building, which were maintenance, vigilance, and persistence. Persistence. Fantastic. And the first rule of Fight Club, whatever that is, is pray. So I hope if, um, as we've encountered challenges this week, that we've said, Lord, I'm going to pray, rather than pick up the phone and say, David, what do I do? Pray. So... um, what I would like to do this morning is um, I'd like to kind of uh, continue within Ezra and Nehemiah and kind of climb up a little sort of watchtower and get a bit of an overview of one of the subjects which is really hot in the subject in, in the restoration books, and that is the issue of unity. Wonderful unity. And there are three calls to growing in unity. It's about growing together, it's about a motivation within, and that lovely word submission. Oh, don't you just love it? And uh, really the heading I've, I've put is, you know, being together, is it nigh impossible? Is it more or less impossible to be together? You know, I don't want the religious stuff about, oh, yes, we love one another and we're all together. You know, come on. We all, can all be pulling in different ways and so forth and have different passions and different desires in our heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something quite remarkable amongst us as a body in these coming months, and that is to bring us together. I'm not saying we're separate, but a real Holy Spirit together. And I'll try and unpack what that means, and um, I'll leave that uh, for folks here to weigh, because it's very important to weigh the word, not just go, yes, that's true. Go back, look at the scriptures, talk to John and David, discuss it and sell, say, Father, what principles do you want to draw out that we need to add into our lives? So as we're continuing in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, I'd like you to turn to Genesis 11. Because everyone got the notes in advance, you knew I was going to do that, so it didn't get the laugh, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, 
I want to share from, briefly from Genesis 11 before we go back into Ezra and Nehemiah. I want to share something with you which I think is one of the most crucial scriptures in the Old Testament. And I say that it's one of the most crucial scriptures. And um, for all of our tiredness, I've really been praying almost for people as individuals, as probably like most people, couldn't sleep last night, saying, Father, I pray that people would really hear, hear, <laughs> hear what's on your heart today. And uh, so if you can just hang on for half an hour and stick with me, then um, we're going to have a bit of fun today. So, uh, Genesis 11, 1, 2, 3. Here we go. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found the plain of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they do not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the account of Shem. Two years after the flood, when Shem was a hundred years old, he became the father of Arsphek's head. Now, why is that bit at the end, you ask yourself? We'll come to that later. The people gathered at Shinar. Now, I noticed this morning... Uh, This isn't in the notes, because as David and John know, you do the notes, and then a few days later as you're going through them, you start seeing lots of exciting stuff. Just pop down in your notes, Isaiah 11.11. Have a look at it when you get home. Very interesting that this was a place where the people were coming together to do something disobedient, and yet that was a place where part of the remnant returned from. I think that's quite exciting. But you can have a little bit of fun with that on your own. So that's Isaiah 11.11. Back to Genesis. In verse 4, man says, let us. Good old man, here we are, arrogant man, let us, let us. And then verse 7, God comes down and he says, oh, let us. Us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity turned up and said, hang on a minute, man's saying let us, small you. We as the Trinity have got to to say, no, let us, capital U. Very important. Also, verse 10 suggests, and I'm very happy to be corrected on this because I've not heard this from anyone before, suggests the Tower of Babel was built only two years after the flood. I'll let you weigh that, but verse 10 seems to suggest that, but that could be wrong. But But the people were being disobedient. Now, God had not called them to build a tower. He had said, spread out, go, go. But the people said, oh, no. We're going we're gonna to stick together and we're going to make a name for ourselves. Not a name for the Lord God, a name for ourselves. He told them, fill the earth and multiply. They said, oh no, we're going to stay nice and tight and get up to heaven in our own power. 
They wanted a name for themselves and not the Lord. And as Steve and Julia know, I'm a big fan of Andrew Wilson, and you'll see in his book God's Stories, he unpacks this a bit, page 57. However, God's, however, the key verse in all of this scripture is God's response to the tower. Please hear, please hear this. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. can't stress how important that verse is. One people, one language, nothing impossible for them. Because unity in disobedience is as powerful as unity in obedience. I'm not saying we're disobedient. I'm, I'm not going there. Of course I'm not. But just showing you that this as a disobedient, right at the beginning of the book, there's God showing his love, caring for people, doing just, oh, being so good to us. And of course man comes along, let's do it our way. Disobedient. But man had a key. They understood a key, a key principle of the spirit, which is if you're one people with one language, nothing will be impossible. If we are one people with one language, nothing will be impossible to us. Just let that settle. I'll unpack some of that as we go along because I know there's a lot of things that go through your mind at that stage. Matthew 18, 19 and 20, which is nice and easy to remember. Probably like me, you've read this verse many times and I would like to reverently suggest it might have gone something like this. This is, this is our wonderful Jesus speaking. Matthew 18, verse 19. I suggest it went something like this. Jesus said to them, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. I think Jesus might have had a twinkle in his eye. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, how can we say we are in complete agreement with one another when we come together? We're going to pray for Mrs. Smith's leg. Okay? One person wants to pray this way, another person wants to pray that way. We speak the word that she's going to be raised up. And as we walk out, go, well, she has to see the doctor because we're really worried about her. I don't think it's going to work. And immediately it kind of breaks in. I'm not talking about being spiritually weird, but to get the absolute unity is a very difficult, um, very difficult thing. In um, 18 years ago, um, I was part of a team that was trying to get into the Soviet Union. We had all sorts of problems with visas and such like. So we drove as far as Sweden and waited. <laughs> it's a very long and exciting story, but the long and the short of it was, I got the guys together, there was eight of us, and I said, I believe that God wants us to get into the Soviet Union to do what we've got to do. And if you can agree with that, I want you to come back to this room six o'clock tomorrow morning. Two people turned up. Now, I was thrilled because folk really understood it was about agreement. It was getting to a place overnight saying, Father, is this really you? Is this just us? Is this us? Father, is this your heart? Lord, is this really you? Can I really stand alongside my brother and say, Father, I agree with Fred, John. Why do we have people called Fred and John in the church? It makes stories very difficult. We, 
we agree with my brother that we are going to get those visas and we are going to get in. Three of us met. And there was a sense of complete and utter, yes, we agree. I cannot stress how important that is. And the folk that didn't weren't disobedient or wicked or sinners. They just said, you know, yeah, I do, but I'm not sure. That's fine. That's okay. But we got together and we agreed and we got in. (laughs) Amazing story. Nehemiah 8. So we go to Nehemiah 8. Please love me if um, this uh, goes a little bit contrary. It's not contrary to the word of God, so don't panic. I think it's contrary to some of the religion that's been fed into us over the years. Nehemiah 8. So here we are. This is Ezra reading the law. This is great. What's the most famous verse in Nehemiah? Anybody know it? Nehemiah 8.10. That's it. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes? Have you been ministered to with the joy of the Lord is your strength? Let me explain to you the context of the joy of the Lord being our strength. Nehemiah 8. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, and he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of men and women and others who could understand, (laughs) said twice, And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood, here we go, Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Mazariah, and on the left were Padiah, Mishael, Michial, Hamun, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Mesulim. I'm not very good at languages, so you have to bear with me. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces on the ground. The Levites, Jesua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akubub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Masiah, Kelita, Zechariah, Jozebad, Hannah, and Peleliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving meaning so the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the, people, for the people were weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send them to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to the Lord our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me point out a few things. All the people assembled as one 
man. Everyone was there. The leadership was standing in unity beside Ezra. And there was order. There was order to what was going on. Then the bit I love. They read the word. They read the law. They said, right, come on, let's read the law. And the people listened attentively. That takes effort. And it says they read it to make it clear. People stood as a sign of respect and unity. The people responded in worship. The people responded in confession and repentance. The people took responsibility for their and their forefathers' actions. Then the joy of the Lord was their strength. I'm not trying to put lots of religious rules that you could never pray that for anybody ever again. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to make that difficult. What I'm just saying is today, let's just see the context in which that came. Just the joy of the Lord is your strength because we are together. We have respected the word of, of God together. We have repented of our sin, the stuff that's gone in the past. We are together. We are one people. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's like, get rid of the rubbish, then we can have the joy. How often, you know, in my life, I've got rid of half of the rubbish and I'm looking for the joy. Got to get, I've, I've got to receive on God's, in, in God's way, in God's manner, in, in God's, in the way he comes, which is get rid of the stuff, then you get the joy. We can't have mixture. And, well, mixture is a whole subject in itself, but Levitical law is pretty hot on the fact that you shouldn't have mixture. So let's just revisit it. Nehemiah 8, verse 1. All the people as one man in the square. Ezra 3, verse 1. The people assembled as one man. Ezra 10, 9. Now, the context of Ezra 10, 9 is quite fun. If you don't turn up, you've had it. It's nice, isn't it? John's just sent a newsletter around. Turn up on Sunday or you've had it. Look at the context, you know. It says, Ezra 10.9, Within three days all the men of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem, and on the twelfth day of the nine month, all the people were sitting in the square before the house of God, greatly distressed by the occasion and because of the rain. Isn't God nice? You know, they're not just upset because of the fact they've disobeyed the law, they've been disobedient to God, but also it's pouring with rain. Isn't the Bible wonderful? It's true. It shows that God cares about the silly little things that, oh, you know, we're upset because we, you know, we've had all this sin in our life and it's raining. The Bible says it. Isn't it lovely? So Ezra 6, 21. So the Israelites who had returned from exile ate together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbours in order to seek the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, we could spend a few days on separating ourselves, but that can, that can wait for the moment. You understand the heart. So, here's the crunch. Jesus loves us as individuals. He loves us as individuals. That goes without question. But also, he loves us together. He loves us together. So, a little question. Did Jesus die for my sins? Yeah? That's right, answer the question. Did Jesus die for sins? So, I say... Yes, did Jesus die for your sin, Julian? Yes, he died for my sin. Okay, that's fine. So I came to him as an individual. I confessed my sin. I repented as best I knew how. 
baptised on my own. You know, Helen went in the water. There wasn't ten of them in a row. Psh! Helen went in on her own with John, you know, baptised. But the thing is that we are raised to newness of life, not as an individual, sanctified, little one-person cell, but we become part of a body. We become part of a body. This is crucial. We are saved and we become part of his body because he's preparing us to become a bride. We were individuals and we are still individuals and he loves us and that's fantastic, but also we are part of a body. It's crucial. Remember that song, um, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. I am weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Fantastic. Did that, did that at Sunday school. And what was that? The other one was um, um, Jesus bids me shine, is it? Like a good light. Like a little candle burning in the night. What's the next bit? Kness. Yes, you in your small corner and I in mine. Isn't that lovely? Hang on, let me just say that again. Me in my small corner and I in mine. And, you know, we, we taught by faithful Sunday school teachers, but guys, we mustn't be in our own small corner. We need one another. We can't, you know. That was fantastic. But for, for the good intention, it was wrong. Jesus doesn't want you in your own small corner. Yes, Get aside with him. Yes, you know, sit in the shed for a couple of hours and, and meditate on how wonderful Jesus is. Fantastic, that's good, that's good. But we will get the whole package of the goodness of God when we are together. When we are together. Oh, please, when we're together. You, you, you know, it's, it's radical, but I'm, I'm learning that I can't, do it, I can't do it just me, just on my own, me and Jesus. Has to be with the body. Has to be with the body. That's how we are reflect. You know, if you want to be released into effective service and you want to be released into effective ministry, then it's together. It's the only way. It's the only way. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Um, let me read this to you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Oh, I speak it. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts uh, through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, that um, in love, you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Filled. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. John did some cracking teaching in 1 Corinthians about being a body. The, the, the CDs are available. I'm sure the notes can be found. Revisit it. It's truth. 
we are a body, and, and John covered that then. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 10. This is what the Word of God says. It says, as you come to him. Now, that's plural, because if you start with 1 Peter 1, you'll see who he's writing it to. He's not writing it to sort of one person. He's writing to a whole bunch of guys. And uh, this is where the English language is very weak, because like Portuguese, for example, you get the plural in the first word. So, anyway. But it says, as you, plural, come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You, also like living stones, uh, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a choice and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Hallelujah. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which was also that for which they were destined. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that wonderful? It's, we can receive that as individuals, but also I believe the Spirit of God says that to us corporately. That's where we can enjoy the full benefit of those scriptures corporately. Look at the Psalms. Often it's let us. Let us. Psalm 118. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. Not the tent. We prayed for this person and it's all great for them. No, the tents. I believe that when we are together, we will find much more fulfillment in our Christian walk. Much more. Comes with a price, which I'm coming to, but we will find much more contentment. And if you feel you've been bumping your head sort of at the top of your Christian experience recently, this is what opens the hatch door. Now, I read something earlier this week which I have never seen before. Now, I'm not a big shot or anything, so don't, I'm not bigging myself up. But I have never seen this scripture before, and I've read it many times. So I'm going to read it to you the way that I have read it in the past, okay? So this is not scriptural. But I'm going to read to you how I have read it in the past and just see whether it's how you've read it in the past. If I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with myself and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies me from all sin. If I claim to be without sin, I deceive myself and the truth is not in me. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and purify me from all unrighteousness. If I claim I have not sinned, I make him out to be a liar, and the word has no place in my life. Now, that's how I'd always read it. But I suddenly, it's like, it's like, so like the lights went on. And it says, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word has no place in our lives. I always thought it was just Jesus talking to me about, I've fallen short, so if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just for his father. I'm really sorry that I let my mind go haywire. I thought that person didn't like me and they do and I'm really sorry. And I didn't realise it's, it's us. It's we. I'm not saying we all stand up now and confess our sins because we'd all fall apart. <laughs> and I, my voice would be louder than everyone else's. But uh, do you see the heart of what I'm trying, trying to... Is anyone out there? <laughs> Get the heart of what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to change theology. I'm just trying... I've just seen my eyes are starting to become open to what was already there and I've never seen it. You know, Steve said last week about, you know, how do we act when we're away from the body? You know, because how we act away from the body affects us as a body. And uh, that's the word of the Lord. That's the word. You know, people aren't leaving here and robbing banks and, you know, attacking people. But when we're away, what does Steve say? You know, know your danger points. Know when you're more vulnerable late at night, early in the morning, when you're on your own, when you're with a group of people, when that person you feel doesn't like you and your mind goes haywire, whatever. No. Be aware. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and help because that will affect how we, it is when we come together. Many years ago, many, many, many years ago, Jude and I had some responsibility for a young people's work and we went away for a weekend um, down to the, the coast with all the young people. And in those days, I don't know if any mem- people remember this, you used to have the Saturday night meeting. Remember the Saturday night meeting and you know the, the musicians were playing a nice D over C and it was kind of nice and emotional. So we'd get everyone get a few of the girls crying, then we'd have a few people falling over, get a bit of ministry, and everyone will be happy. But we went ill-prepared. We weren't prepared, we weren't together. And you know, the music went on, and the prophecies came, and it was dead. It was just flat. There was just... We would have been better off going outside and playing football. Because we hadn't, we hadn't discerned the body. That's another subject. We hadn't discerned the body. We hadn't prepared ourselves... We were, we, we were coming to it as individuals, not as a body. We were living anyhow in the afternoon, you know, making silly jokes and running each other down as comedy. And then we wondered in the evening why the Holy Spirit wasn't interested. I say that with respect. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't be there. So we did all the right things, but he wasn't there. And there's nothing more tragic than being in something which has got all the veneer, it's got the music, the hand-waving, the soft lights, um, and even the word. And the Holy Spirit's not there. I never want to be in a place like that. Now, I believe we often lack power and we lack influence because we seek the gifts of God individually. Now, we do need to seek the the, the gifts of God individually. Desire earnestly to prophesy, earnestly to speak in tongues. Desire, desire, that's a good thing. But it's not for personal, just for me. It's for the body. You know, I say this carefully and, and I'll wait for John David to carry me back here. I don't think so. But uh, People say, I have a ministry, but they're not part of a body. They do untold damage. 
even if they genuinely believe their motives are good. If they genuinely believe their motives are good. God doesn't remove anointing when people are disobedient either. (laughs) So be careful, beware of Christians who operate in power, but outside a body, outside of a framework of individuals whom they submit to, love and serve and work with. We do have individual gifts, but we need to harness them and we need to develop them. And we need to operate our gifts within the framework of the body of Christ. You know, to be accountable, submissive to leadership, submit ourselves just to one another. And uh, as I say, I have seen appalling damage done by people who really believe they've got it. And often they have, but there'd be a lot more anointing if that was submitted, honed, and then released. And the Maggie and I were chatting earlier this week and I was saying about, you know, Moses had the call of God. Unspeakably, he killed an Egyptian because he supposed that Israel would realise that he was there. He supposed. He had the calling. God had called him, but he had a process to go through before it was safe for God to release him. Look at Joseph. Brothers, you're going to bow down to me. And then probably something which is very offensive in that culture, I guess. Parents, you're going to bow down to me. He had it, but he had to go through a process before God could trust him with it. Now, it says in the Psalms that iron entered his soul when he was in prison. Imagine that being sold by your brothers. Iron entered his soul. So, God speaks to you. I want to use you in this. I want to use you in that. It's very unlikely that you're going to be bang packed, whopped into that. There's going to be a journey of character building which never, ever ends because. He wants our heart and he wants our motives to be right. Now, 1 Corinthians is very clear about us being part of a body and about needing one another. Now, that flies completely counterculture. We were talk- was it David talking about counterculture recently? The culture is, you know, I'm strong in who I am and you know, I can stand for who I am. And, and, you know, I, but it flies counterculture for me to say, actually, I need David and Margaret. I really need them. I need them. We need one another. And it's against the culture because men are supposed to be strong. I don't need anybody. I'm strong. No. Men of God, we need, we need to be vulnerable. We need one another. We need one another. See, when we taste something, you know, if any, I'm sure folks here have tasted something of God's power. Taste of God's power? Oh, it's good. It's wonderful. But that power used outside the loving boundaries of our Father will not bring healing, but it will bring pain, disappointment, and broken relationships. I'll say no more. This is on. Something I've had to learn over the years, and I've seen others struggle with it. It's not about my rights. My right, you know, my right. It's my right. It's not about my rights. It's about a loving Father. It's about Jesus who died on the cross. It's about submitting to his body. It's about doing it his way. And that really hurts sometimes because the world and the culture we live in says, oh, it's your right. David, it's your right to, you know, make sure that guy pays that bill and does this. It's your right to add another 2.5%. It's your right. You go, no, before God, I'm doing that. It doesn't take his rights. How would Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do? Or as I say, what would Julian do? <laughs> You could say, you know, what would David do? <laughs> He's in us, but
But we have to make that decision and that choice. We used to meet with um, another church, um, part of our family of churches years ago. And um, we used to each month go to each other's town or village and, and um, you know, have a big sort of celebration of worship and word and stuff. And um, the other church had quite a big um, music group. And uh, they would come and, uh, and uh, I, I was pretty much walked over and I put right at the back. No fold back, Steve. I mean, how, what is that like, eh? Right at the back and all these other people who I felt weren't as holy, weren't as anointed, weren't as, you know, sorted out. This is 15 years ago, all their mobile phones before they were popular. And in my heart was... I mean, marvellous, I come to watch, you know, I should be playing and I'm the back and I can't hear it. God worked on my heart. I said, serve. Serve. Who are you doing this for? Are you doing this for Julian or are you doing this for them? And I went up, I went up to the front. I said to the guy, I said, I said um, I've got a song that I'd like to play. And I'll tell you what, it would have been absolutely spot on. And he said, I don't think we'll do that. Ooh. But it's part of God's honing process. It's, and it's really painful. And I know many people in this room have experienced that. It's really painful, but God knows what he's doing. It's so humbling submitting yourself to others, but it is God's best way. Now, the other side of that is not participating in the body, holding back. Well, I've had this, I've had this picture of a lighthouse all morning, and I haven't done anything about lighthouses. I don't know what it is, but... Oh, I, I don't think I'll give it because, you know, John might say, oh, I don't, oh, I'm not sure. People might think I'm being a bit pushy, so don't give it. So if you don't put your head above the parapet, not only can you not get shot at, but also you can't shoot. <laughs> so sometimes we have to step out. Maybe for some of us here, it's time to step out of the shadows and admit, I have some gifting. I want to develop this. But revealing yourself will make you feel, may make you feel vulnerable, a bit unsure, or I'm not sure if, if, if this is what God's got for me. Uh, you know, I don't pray out loud because other people won't value what I say. Or how can I minister to the sick? Because um, I'm not really holy enough. And well, I was hurt three years ago, and if I reach out again, I'll probably get hurt again. But it's about Jesus. If we, if we love Jesus, if we choose to follow him, then it is really worth taking the risk to step out for him. You may be surprised that your brothers and sisters will get thoroughly blessed in the process. One thing I'm very hot on, I know I've shared this with one or two folks, often the problem is we're not dead. We're not dead. He says, no, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. But sometimes a bit of Julian isn't dead. Sometimes we're not dead. Well, you know, I, I was going to go and pray for them this morning, but I think they might think I'm a bit pushy if I went and prayed for them, so oh, I don't think I will. No, Julian, die. They need to be prayed for. Just go and pray. When we do the baptism, you know, we believe in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, you know, we baptize you. I just like to say, die! <laughs> we, we bring too much of our old life into our new life. That's why I've had so many problems in the past, because I've been offended. Hang on, Jesus lives in me. I've been offended. They don't want me playing, they, they want me at the back. It's about Jesus, so, so, so what? It's difficult, but it's about Jesus. It's about, it's about dying to save self. You know, 
Jesus paid an amazing cost. An amazing cost. It costs him everything. As I've heard some people say, and I'm almost a bit scared to say it, it should cost us everything too. It should cost us everything to follow Jesus. Yes, we want the worship and the praise and we want to see signs and wonders and, and we want to see power and we want to see all this stuff. Of course we want all that. But there's a cost to following Jesus and the cost is everything. It'll cost everything. I know one of John's favourite scriptures, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you come together, all have a hymn, revelation, tongue. That means this morning, potentially, everybody had a hymn, a psalm, a tongue. Well, except me, of course, because I don't do that. I don't know how we work that out practically. You know, there has to be all. I'm not sure how that works. Maybe it's just a kind word to the person sitting next to you as you come in. The other two points were, were I think, I just very skim very quickly because I'm, I'm aware of time and, and um, I just like to do something at the end. But our motivation is always love. Our motivation is always love. You see, for me, it's quite easy to pray for Fred because I'm quite fond of him, really. He's quite a nice bloke, isn't he? We love that man. So he's, you know, I love that man. So it's kind of easy to pray for. We're called to love one another, not like one another. But uh, love, love. Let's just love one. Let's believe the best in one another. Let's be on one another's side. Let's use the gifts to love, build up, edify, strengthen. You know, why did Barb share this morning? Because she loves the body. She wanted to share what was in her heart. She wanted to share that with the body. And then through Fred, God spoke to us. Fantastic. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. So love makes it easier to receive correction. Oh, man, why do I have to talk about this? <laughs> but it makes it, when you know people's heart motivation, John sidled up to me a couple of weeks ago and said, Julian, you know, good, good word on Sunday. Thanks for that. Just one little thought, though. You use a Bible version that most people don't use, so they find it a little bit difficult to follow. Would you mind maybe considering using this version? And I thought, I thought, yes, because then people can understand, people can follow. I find it difficult because the words are very small. But who cares what I think? Together we can now understand because we can follow. Now I don't think, oh, blooming marvelous. So obviously John hates everything I do. Fine, you know. No, it's kind of, yeah, because I know he loves me. So therefore, fine. Doesn't mean to say on more serious things you can't debate and, and, and discuss. That's okay. But it's about, it's about our motivation. Now, John's motivation was love. My motivation was love. So everybody wins. There are other examples, but you know, Jesus, this is amazing scripture. Hebrews 5, 7 to 9, an incredible scripture. Jesus, the, uh, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. One of the cell questions I put down. What? Jesus had to learn obedience? He was perfect. He was totally man, totally God. He's our beautiful saviour. 
What on earth does that mean? To learn obedience. Sometimes we suffer for doing the right thing. I'll leave the rest for a moment. Submission. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, 32. For all can prophesy in turn so that everyone be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Brothers and sisters, especially those who are keen to move in the power, gifts, the anointing, prophecy, it must be submitted to others who have a similar gift. It's the only way that we will stay safe and protected. It really is the only way. So, you know, I want to move out and put the prophetic. I want to take a few risks. But I also know that means I'll get a hand on the shoulder occasionally from David and John and say, well, that was quite helpful, but, well, you know, this bit there, maybe that needs adjusting. That's really hard to take. But that way we learn and that way we grow. You know, Stephen and I do that as kind of as brothers. We kind of bang things off each other. And that's great. So you know, be encouraged that when it gets a bit tough, it's good because... Ephesians 5.27 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So even if the past I've done stuff and I felt hurt or whatever as a result of it, I actually did it for Jesus. So tomorrow's another day. Steve, can you, can you come up and play for us, mate? So you can't lose. You know, if, if, you, if you step out and it goes wrong but your heart was right, you can't lose because you did it for Jesus. So I really want us to encourage us to just in our minds you know, look through Nehemiah, look through Ezra, see how many times it says one people together, a body, a people. You know, they were together. They were there for a reason. They were doing something together. They had a purpose, and that's not something to be covered today. But you know, let's be together in our heart attitude because it's all for Jesus. Let's regularly, let me regularly check my motivation within my church life and my, and my personal life. And let's willingly submit to God and to his delegated authorities. What I'd just like to do now is, um, I just wondered if you could sort of pray, play fairly freely, Steve, for us. If that's okay. Completely unrehearsed. This morning, um, I'm aware that, you know, many folks are tired and, and everything. And, that, you know, that's okay. That's, it's good to be naturally tired, especially because we're tired because we blessed a very precious couple. So what I'd like to do is um, I'd just like to read Psalm 67 to you and just allow this to soak over you. I'm going to read it twice. The first time... I'm going to suggest that, if possible, just look around a little bit. <laughs> it's already awful. Oh, I look at you and say, I love you in the love of the Lord. And you learn to just look at people just over the head, and that's all okay. But just let me read this scripture and just look around as I read it. And the second time, just push in with God and receive it for yourself. So just while Steve plays. So let's just have a little look around. It's for the director of music with stringed instruments. A psalm, a song. May the Lord be gracious to us and make his face shine upon us. Think about it. Meditate on it. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. 
May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. And you rule the peoples, for you rule the peoples with justice and guide the nations of the earth. Rules with justice, guides the nations. Think about it. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Now closing with Jesus. If you want to close your eyes, that's fine. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your ways, O Lord, may be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the people justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Father God, we want to thank you so much that you are our Father. Father, we are your family. Lord, we just desperately need you. We need more of your Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that you're a God who blesses us. Father, I pray you help me, help us on our individual journeys with you. May that grow, may that flourish. May we hear your whispers in the night. May we see pictures from you and and just hear your voice. And also, Father, I pray that you would do something among us, that we would grow in our unity. Father, somehow we would be one people with one language, acting on your direction and instruction. Jesus, we give you the glory. Jesus, we give you the honour. Jesus, we lift your name high above all. And we thank you for you and we thank you for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. There's going to be tea and coffee available shortly out at the back. And uh, bless you.